I tolerated it because I got to hear Optimus Prime say Autopods transform and roll out. And I was like, okay, I'm happy. <laughs> the five-year-old in me is happy. Dodge this. I am the father. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. This is episode 123 of the Movie Bite Podcast, where we talk about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. This episode is being converted to digital bits and being prepped to stream to you on this fine Tuesday, January the 21st, 2014. I am TJ, your host, and joining me today is a guest co-host. I'm not sure if he is of the musical variety or if he's into plays, but we're going to talk to him today about Into the Woods. It is J.R. Foresteros. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, TJ. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be part of Movie Bite today. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to have you. I've actually um, heard you on Real World Theology here and there. Um, that's a show that, uh, Fizz does. Um, he's on the movie bite podcast from time to time. And, uh, I've been wanting to branch out and get more guests on. And Joe, um, usually who is with us, he reached out to you and asked if you wanted to be on, uh, which I was excited about. And I thought Joe was going to be here. I think he's listened to more of you than <laughs> I have. And he was supposed to be here tonight and he is having internet trouble and he's had some stuff come up with work and all sorts of things are going on with him. So, uh, he was the not life, able to be here. The life of us non-professional podcasters, right? Yes, yes. Well, it, it is a problem. <laughs> I uh, I rushed home from work today, and I'm prepping for the show, and and I actually did listen to an episode of Story Men, which is a podcast that you uh, do. Um, I'm not sure about the – what is the frequency with which you do that podcast? Uh, well, we do mostly weekly, but we take breaks. We take season breaks, so we're in the middle of our season three break right now, okay. and we start recording next week. But when, when we're – recording we do weekly more or less yeah yeah i uh i have literally as i pulled into the driveway i had two minutes and 14 seconds remaining and i haven't so i haven't technically finished it but the uh i think the end music was playing uh for an episode titled can jesus save et and spock 2 uh story men season four so that was a that was a very interesting introduction to uh (laughs) to story men i i have no idea if that's what i should normally expect and i'm gonna have to start listening more often (laughs) Um, but that, that was a very interesting introduction and I was scrolling through the list of episodes going, what, what should I listen to that would help me get to know, uh, kind of from afar, J.R. Foresteros better. And, uh, I don't know. Did I choose wisely? I think you absolutely did that. That really captures all three of us. You know, we love pop culture and we love theology and we love history and that, that, particular episode it was you know it's obviously like experimental theology you know, you know. so <laughs> you might say that <laughs> right right so i mean we just it, it was a lot of fun um it was it was just the three of us you know no guests and we just we just sort of did these thought experiments that helped us kind of point at theological issues like salvation and and what does it mean to be human and and what is the nature of of fallenness and things like that and you know used a what a lot of people i guess would consider a 
meaningless or irrelevant, you know, topic, which is extraterrestrials to, to poke at some of these deeply human issues. We love doing that kind of stuff. So if you like that mix of absurd and super serious, then the story minutes for you. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's it's certainly not a topic. I mean, I've I've it's it's weird. I I hate to even say I've given the topic thought because most people look at you like, what in the world are you even talking about? But it's certainly. I mean, I'm into sci-fi and I'm I'm into to TV shows and movies and books that have uh, aliens in them, and so it is an interesting thought experiment. What if aliens really did exist? And we obviously don't know. We're talking about sentient aliens. We. Correct, I think right. it's much easier for uh, Chris. It's interesting. This is not a, really a theological show, but it does come up from time to time. Um, it, it, it is interesting to think about uh, if you know Christians probably don't have as hard a time admitting, well, there, there might be other life on planets. It's probably just not sentient, as as opposed to, well, if it's sentient life, if if it's life that thinks and and has the breath of life the way we do, what would that look like? And there's a lot of interesting theological um, discussions around that that you guys had. Yeah. So, and I think like the best sci-fi is the sci-fi that helps us explore what it means to be human in the here and now, right? Well, one, and, of, my, one of my favorite sci-fi characters of all time, one of them, I don't want to box myself in here, but one of my <laughs> one of my favorite characters is Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. And the exploration of what it's like from his perspective to be a human. So uh, I think that that's always what makes good sci-fi is that exploration. Right, yeah. And so, you, you know, asking... Can an, can an alien be saved in the Christian sense of that word really is asking, what does it mean for me to be saved in the Christian sense of that word? Right. I mean, that's, that's why that's a fun question. Yeah. So, and by the way, when, when I talk about, well, it's an interesting thought experiment, you know, I'm not, not really laying my cards on the table of how I feel about whether there could actually be sentient life on other planets. (laughs) It's in, in in some respects, it is an irrelevant question, but, (laughs) um, but in some respects, like you say, it's not. So, so so are you, are you a Fox Mulder? Do you want to believe? (laughs) because <laughs> I, I do i'm in i said in the episode right like i'm there i'm ready i i'm of mixed <laughs> feelings on that because i think it present it, in terms of thinking through your theology it presents so many interesting things it's like you know what we're not gonna know and so i'm not i'm gonna choose not to think too much about it and i'm all going right, to enjoy right. it in sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> uh well, um, unfortunately, uh, the first I- item in our show notes is not sci-fi. Uh, there is some sci-fi coming for the next two uh, links. So, unfortunately, that's uh, that's the the wrong order to do it in. But this is the order it's in the show outline, and we're nothing if not uh, strict about our show outline. <clears throat> uh, I jest. Um, but uh, this is interesting to me um, because it is from Amazon Studios. Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, they're all kind of shaking up the um, the model of of TV presentation, if you will. And so this is, um, among many, this is one of the more recent uh, releases and trailers to come from Amazon uh, Instant Video Studios, or Amazon Studios, I think they're just called. Uh, so this is a, a, just a quick clip from the trailer, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Every murder is the tale of a city. But I don't believe there's a better world than this one. This is the police. And if this is the only one we got, how about I buy you a drink? Call me. I know that luck. Yeah, if anyone would. Feels like we're putting band-aids on bullet holes. Hands up! There's another body. If I don't take you, you'll never know. I want you in charge of this field trip. What went wrong out there? Everything. So that was a clip from the trailer for the upcoming crime drama from Amazon Studios called Bosch. Um, It is not sci-fi, as I mentioned, but... uh, 
it's interesting in that it's from Amazon Studios, first of all. And and what, what do you, JR, what do you think of, of this uh, shakeup that we're seeing in the way, you know, the model of presentation and where, where our, our entertainment is coming from? Yeah, I love it. I think uh, if we look back at what happened in the music industry when Napster came out mm-hmm. and really changed how people consumed music, they did not respond well. And I think that they're still suffering for that. And it's nice to see some of these young companies like Netflix, like Hulu, like Amazon, which, I mean, you even think about how long those companies have been around compared to the major networks, even compared to like HBO and Showtime. It's pretty astounding that they're already creating such incredible content. I mean, several Netflix shows uh, and some Amazon stuff has been on my top, uh, you know, some of my favorite stuff like Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, Arrested Development Season 4, um, you know, my wife and I just watched, we just finished watching Transparent on Amazon, which, you know, got a bunch of, of attention at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I'm very impressed by the quality of the content. Uh, I'm very impressed by, you know, the making it available all at once to binge watch where you're, you're basically now getting TV that's, you know, House of Cards season two is like a 13 hour long movie, right? Exactly. Not, As a season one. episodes. Right, 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 right. So uh, I, I love it. I'm a big fan of it. I think the the more competition just means better quality for all of us. I can't tell you the last time I watched a, dr- a network drama mm-hmm. that wasn't Sleepy Hollow. That's <laughs> that's probably it. Um, person of interest. I mean, so yeah, there are a few, but you know, um, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to think. I don't know. What about you? The network shows that I'm watching right now would be Gotham. Just because I mean, it's superhero. It's Batman. You got to watch yeah. it, right? So I'm watching yeah. Gotham, and it's had its ups and downs. Um, I'm watching, um, I'm, I'm actually, I just started watching arrow because the the flash, the the, the flash came on and they started making all these references to arrow. And I thought I could get away with watching just the flash. And I, I'm very, um, because of my time limited, I'm very limited in my time. Like I work a lot, unfortunately in this stage of my life trying to make ends meet. And then I, I try to limit, like, I don't try to limit, I have limits on the amount of entertainment I can consume in addition to the movies that I watch. So anyway, I thought I could get away with watching Flash, The Flash without watching Arrow, and, and it just caught me. I said, doggone it, I can't do it. And both of those shows, <laughs> both of those shows have their irritations. Yeah, um, oh, they do. Uh, Arrow, I, I'm, I'm particularly irritated that, that they just can't seem to solidify any relationships. They feel like they have to – the drama often feels artificial. And so that yeah. really frustrates me, and that feels very networky. That, that's what I'm trying to yeah. bring out here is it, it's still a very network show. And and what I like about, for instance, House of Cards, um, is as relates to Amazon Studios producing their own thing, what Netflix is doing is similar with House of Cards and um, Orange is the New Black. They, or, uh, I forget which – Netflix has that one, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's And, and then, of course, uh, uh, season four of um, – uh, what was that other one you mentioned? The comedy. Arrested Development. Arrested Development, development yeah. yes. Um, so, so all these things that are happening, they, they feel different, especially House of Cards. I mean I think House of Cards really broke the mold. They're not at all. They don't. They didn't feel at all like network television. It felt like, right. like you said, a thirteen-hour-long movie per season. That's exactly what we're getting, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful, and and so in that sense, I'm looking forward to Bosch. Um, Transparent did not look like my kind of thing, so I have not put it on my list at all. I know it's winning a lot of awards, and that's fine. It just didn't look like my thing. This certainly feels more like my thing, although uh-huh. you know it's a crime drama, so it could go either way. I mean, I've seen good crime dramas, <laughs> but I've seen pretty bad ones. So Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they take the route that The Killing took, which uh, my wife and I actually loved that show. I don't know if you saw it. 
um, started out on AMC and actually Netflix finished it. Um, where, where, where it's more of like one long story, you know, or if they're really going to do like this sort of, uh, uh, procedural, you know, week to week thing. It, it looks more like the former to me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and certainly, I mean, I think there, it looks like there'll be elements of the procedural week to week, you know, um, drama of the week, but I think there'll be an overarching story. And that, that's always what I look for in a good show. There are some exceptions, uh, to, to that where I like shows that are not overarching in their story. But typically I like shows that have this, you know, at least season wide, if not show wide, you know, show long arcs. Yeah. And I feel like that, that we'll certainly get that with Bosch. It certainly looks like that element will be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see it. So the uh, trailer will be linked up in the show notes. Uh, if you wish to find those show notes, by the way, those will be at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 123. Uh, that's where you will find the show notes. Uh, and that this trailer will be there. Um, it will be available for release uh, for streaming the entire season on February the 13th uh, via Amazon. So if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you are all set. And And really, who doesn't? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you don't, shame on you. That's that's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, now we can get to the sci-fi links in the show notes or in the show outline. And that is uh, Fox continually disappointing me, uh, but they are working <laughs> on a Minority Report sequel in the form of a TV pilot. Um, this is according to Tor.com. Fox is prepping a Minority Report TV pilot intended as a sequel to the 2002 film starring Tom Cruise. However, don't expect to see Tom Cruise or his character John Anderton. I wouldn't expect to in a TV show, but as the pilot is set 10 years after the movie and will focus on one of the precogs from the film. In fact, Fox Fox hasn't announced casting at all, but has signed on a director, Mark Mylod, known for ABC's Once Upon a Time and Showtime's Golden Globe winning The Affair. Um... They they went on later to say that it would not focus on the precog you would expect the the girl that was the, the mostly featured in the film, uh, which I thought was interesting, uh, and it's also being produced by Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. Um, it didn't say whether Steven Spielberg was directly involved. I kind of doubt it. Um, to me, Jr. This this could go one of two ways, and there will be no in between. It can be really really good or really really bad, uh-huh. and I suspect the latter. Uh, did you see Almost Human? I did. Did you like Almost Human? Um, that's a toss-up. That's a that's a uh, that's a. Uh, I don't know. Um, I wanted to like it. I kept wanting to like it, and it kept not doing anything for me. And I feel like um, that's probably why it lost its. Uh, <laughs> it got canceled. But um, I feel like it could have gotten there. I feel like it could have done a Star Trek: The Next Generation on us and gotten yes. way better. Yes. Where it just didn't. It couldn't find itself for the first season as Star yep. Trek: The Next Generation couldn't. Um, I feel like it could have done that, but it wasn't given the chance, and uh, so it didn't. That's exactly how I felt about it, and I'm a, I'm afraid this could be the same sort of thing. Yeah, because it's so like like why why even call it Minority Report? Why not just call it like a sci-fi story about a precog? Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. You know, there's there's it doesn't seem like there's anything. They're not even dealing with pre-crime. It doesn't sound like from the uh, from the uh, the the summary. So why? Like, why branded Minority Report? If that movie came out last year, that's one thing. But it's it's a decade, more than a decade gone. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's um it's a very dangerous thing to do. I think the thinking is that it will give them some clout because Minority Report. Mm. I I certainly love and and respect that movie and think it's a wonderful installment into the sci fi uh, genre. 
Um, and so I think that they're hoping to catch the attention of people like me by saying, ooh, this is in the Minority Report universe, but it's a very dangerous thing, I think, to do because they have a lot to live up to with them when it's a really good movie like that. And right. so, so it's probably, I think for them, it's a catch 22 in terms of marketing. Like they want to get people's attention, but then when it doesn't live up to what you want, what they wanted it to be or what you wanted it to be, then they kind of lose you. And, and that's, I, I'm, I fear, even though I'm trying to brace myself against it, that when I tune in and it's not what I'm wanting it to be, if it's not the minority report, I'm wanting it to be, I'll tune out and, and I'll be gone. And I might not give it the chance I'd give something else, even mm-hmm. though I'm trying to brace myself against that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on this, but at the same time, I'm, I'm you know I've got this trepidation about it. But I'm like, if it's good, I'll be happy. You know, right? I give I give high uh, I give uh, sci-fi on network television the same attention I give to another Terminator sequel, which is high <laughs> hopes and low expectations. Right, right, right. Like I want this to be good. It could be like it happened once, <laughs> once. <laughs> so I mean, twice, right? With Terminator. That's so true, like. Yeah. Like, uh, it could, it, it's possible, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my expectations low so I don't, I don't hurt myself again. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that really lowers your expectations, at least for me is this is Fox who's given us good shows (laughs) from time to time, but then they also do stuff like they renew bones for a 10th season, right? uh, which I, I, frankly, I used to like bones. Fizz would kill me for saying that. Uh, he hates that show, but I used to like it, but then it just, and, and here's the thing with me. Once I invest in a show, I will, I will, there's only one show that I've ever given up on and that's bones. Like I will stick with it until the end. Yeah, but when they renewed Bones for a seventh season, I was scratching my head, going, "This show was over last season. Please end it." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and yeah. that's so. So that's Fox for you. Um, so they renew the stuff that they, you know, and then and then they cancel stuff like Fringe, and you're going, "Whoa, whoa, 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 bring it back! Yeah. No, don't do that." Um, so yeah, so this is Fox, and so I have very low expectations. <laughs> I have opinions yeah. about these things. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you, man. You look at some of the stuff Fox canceled too soon, and and yeah, it's just it's painful. Yeah, they're almost as bad at canceling stuff as the Sci Fi Channel. Ooh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of French, uh, speaking of French, I want to talk a little bit about the X Files. Yes, I'm making that correlation. Uh, here, I even have some background music for us. Um, anybody who's seen any X Files should be familiar with this (laughs) um so the x-files to me i I haven't seen a lot of x-files unfortunately um i I started to get into the show i've watched maybe four or five episodes and then it got put on the back burner for something that i don't remember and it's never come back up i want to finish it uh however um x-files may be coming back again on fox uh, Russ Fisher over at Slash Film says, Talk of a third X-Files movie has cropped up often in the past few years, but now it seems like a new TV installment might be more likely than anything else. Fox execs have revealed that they are pursuing an X-Files return, ideally with David uh, Duchovny and Gillian Anderson reprising their roles as FBI agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. Um, the reason I make the correlation to Fringe is this feels like the previous generation or previous version of Fringe to me. Um, oh, very much so. When I, when I saw the first episode of Fringe, I was like, I have waited so long for something to fill the hole in my heart that the X-Files left. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, I can see that. And Fringe did that beautifully. I mean, it really felt, Fringe felt like the modern version of like, if X-Files were created today, it would be called Fringe. I mean, <laughs> you know. 
Um, so I... <sighs> I don't know how I feel about bringing this back, though. Having seen only, a few, you know, like five or six episodes in the first season, um, I, I just don't know. Like, what do you... You have more experience with this, obviously. Than I you think. loved The X-Files. I watched, like, every episode. I owned the DVD box set when those were still a thing that existed. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> like, I... Seriously, I was I was there opening night for the this the movie came out before the Age of Midnight shows, so I was there opening night, not midnight show night. Um, did the same for the second movie. I and, and I can't I don't want to say too much because you are you haven't seen the show. Yeah, and I want but to. You will want you will want this to happen. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I I I can't even say anything more than that without massively spoiling the series, but like. When you finish the series, you will you will beg Fox to make this a reality. Um, well, I hope because of where the series leaves you. I mean, it it sounds like it's going to happen, so I hope they do it well. And 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 you know they're 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 bringing back the actors that play the part. So so people who are fans of the show obviously will probably be happy about that. I assume you're happy about that. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and I don't know if you know this about the X Files, but the last two seasons. Uh, Duchovny was gone ish. I mean, he pops his head up every now and again mm. for a few episodes, but, um, lar- largely he's gone from the last two seasons. They bring in Robert Patrick and another actress and, uh, um, and then Scully's still there, uh, Jillian Anderson. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it's, I liked those final two seasons. A lot of people didn't. Um, but man, I, I thought, it's X Files as Fox Mulder at the end of the day. I mean, he's the one that has the I want to believe right. poster. Well, I, I mean, right? It, I mean, it sounds like if you take away him, it's like taking away Captain Picard. Like you can't have an TNG without uh, Picard. I mean, I thought I thought the way they reinvented the show in his absence was really brilliant. Um, I thought that the people they brought in did well. I thought that they were great, but it wasn't Picard. <laughs> right. Well, you know I was, what I mean? Like it was great, but it wasn't like. It wasn't that. I mean, the the whole series was his journey, and so it. it yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if I can continue, this, boy, this episode has really been geeky. But that's okay. That's what we're about. <laughs> um, if, I, if I can continue down that trail of geekiness, perhaps it for me, you know, for me that that show where they did that, where the main character went away, is Stargate uh, SG One. Um, okay. And and the last two seasons, Richard Dean Anderson was gone, and yet it was still really good Stargate. Um, so maybe, maybe for you, that's, that's the way it's, it sounds like that's the way it was for you with, with, uh, X-Files. Yeah. That's not a popular opinion, but I will defend it. I mean, I, I thought that, I thought that it was, it, it unquestionably was not the same, but I didn't think it was bad. And I thought the way they, the way they positioned everything and then told the story was, was pretty brilliant in a lot of ways. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Now, isn't there some weird chrono- chronology with the movies in the show? Like m- some of the movies happened in between seasons or something? Yeah, so there's two films, and the the first film came out between seasons four and five. Okay. So season four ends on a relatively big cliffhanger, and then it's actually resolved in the film. Mm. And then the, f- the fifth season opens up like several months after the film ends, and... If you miss the film, you're they do a pretty good job of of catching you up um, uh, with like what you missed and what happened. Mm -hmm. But like the film, the film was totally it was it was sort of like Serenity. You know, like if you Mm -hmm. didn't see Firefly, 
like you could still watch it, I guess, but like, why? Why? So now you've made me like, angry. The, the, why? The, that's why I'm angry on Fox at, at Fox. Oh yeah, that's because I brought up, I said the f word. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's ultimately my 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 all the resentment and rage. I I can't watch a show. It's on Fox. I can't do it. I, I'm done. <laughs> because all my yeah. resentment and rage has come back now for them canceling the best show yeah. that has ever been on Fox. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Well. So so <laughs> so the X Files. Uh, maybe this will replace the hole in my heart that was left when Fringe went off the air. <laughs> Could uh, be. We'll see. Yeah. So so yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I now I really need to get caught up though on and and watch what is it ten seasons of X Files and and nine. two movies nine and two movies yeah. yeah. Though so. honestly, full disclosure, the second film. You you don't need to see it. Uh-oh. I mean, you'll want to see it because it's you, you know even is though it, you don't love it, it's it's more of the characters you love. So so, so is it the X Files version of Star Trek Five? No, I mean it's not it's not bad. It's just like <laughs> again like okay so the it, the way that you know the whole the whole series is all about these aliens and are they real or not and there's this government conspiracy and what is it all about. And, and, and the, the, the series pays that off. Like you, it, it doesn't pull a lost on you. Okay. Um, but like, then you're like, Oh, whoa, well now what? And that's where you're left hanging at the end of the series. Now that you know, all this stuff that you've been spending nine seasons trying to find out now, you know, and then the, the film is just like one of the standalone spooky episodes. Mm, Okay. So it's, it's fun. And you're like, wow, this feels like. This feels like a great episode from like season two, you know, like a good standalone doesn't build the mythology is just like a fun, you know, but that was super not what you wanted from an X-Files movie that came out after the series was over. (laughs) So do you think that this revival of X-Files would be kind of about bringing the show back around? Because you you say you you feel like there was some things left hanging. Do you think they have the uh, either the inclination or the ability or the desire to kind of bring some things back around? From everything I've heard about the the conversations about a third film, which have been going on since the second film came out, uh, they've been saying like there needs to be a, a there needs to be a conclusion to this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's yes, what it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good stuff. I uh, I'm looking forward to becoming an X Files nerd uh, as soon as oh, I can. Man. As soon as soon as they'll quit making new TV shows that I'm interested in. I know, right? It's like <laughs> when are you supposed to find the time? Uh, but no, I mean, there's several good old shows that I love, um, you, you know, depending on your definition of old. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I think the oldest show that I really love would be Remington Steel. I don't know if you ever seen anything like that. Totally, completely off the rails, different genre than I would you would expect me to like. But I really love that show. Um, anyway, so, yeah, there, there's certainly old shows that I get into. And, and the one nice thing about old shows, uh, such as X-Files, is it comes highly recommended and you know what you have uh, because it's a complete thing, whether it ended right. well or not. And when you're when you're watching a, a show that's ongoing, still you never know. Are they really going to destroy this and leave you hanging? And I've I've been left hanging many times, particularly by Fox with uh, you know <clears throat> Firefly and uh, but what Alcatraz? Oh, another good one. They should have never canceled. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, that's that's TV. We, we've turned into the TV bite for a little bit here, but uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of what's going on in the TV world. Yeah, there's no movies in January to talk about. Guys. I know, right? So. There's hardly any. We're, we are still getting caught up, though. Like, there was so many, uh, as usual, there's so many that comes out in December, and then you're trying to travel and do family, right. and podcasting is part-time. So we're still trying to get caught up on a few of those, as you can see at the bottom of the show outline where Joe and I were 
trying to figure out what we're going to see. And some of them are, have been out for weeks. Uh, and you know, whatever we'll, we'll, we still haven't quite figured that out, but we'll, we'll figure that out in a couple of days. Speaking of movies, it's time to bring this episode back around to what it is that we uh, are here for. And that is to talk about, uh, movies. And particularly today, we're going to be talking about into the woods. I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. You wish to have the curse reversed? Go to the wood and bring me back a cow as white as milk. These beans carry magic. The cape as red as blood. Oh dear, how uneasy I feel. The hair as yellow as corn. The slipper as pure as gold. Go to the wood! That was for the trailer for the film Into the Woods, which is an adaptation of a stage play, which is quite popular and many people know the music too. Strangely, I had uh, I had not really heard of it before this movie started becoming a thing. Uh, I guess it's not strange because I'm not really into stage plays that much. Um, <laughs> my wife is more, and uh, she hadn't heard of it either, so that made me feel better. Um, the film is released, uh, or it was released on December the 25th. It had a budget of $50 million, and it opened uh, to the tune of $31 million opening weekend. And it now has a worldwide gross of $142.4 million, so it's made a little bit of cash. The critic consensus is that, on the whole, this Disney adaptation of the Sondheim classic sits comfortably at the corner of Hollywood and Broadway, even if it darkens to its detriment in the final act. The director was Rob Marshall, and the writers are James Lamp- uh, Lampine, and he, he wrote the screenplay, and he also had a hand in writing the musical, from what I can tell, and Stephen Sondheim, of course, uh, had a hand in writing the musical theatrical play. Some of the stars of this film were uh, Anna Kendrick, uh, Daniel Huddleston, James Corden, Emily Blunt, Leela, uh, Lila Crawford, Meryl Streep, Johnny Depp, and Mackenzie Mousy. Um, the composer, again, Stephen Sondheim. Uh, now I get to do Joe's bit. He usually reads for us the storyline. I get to do that today. Uh, the story here is that Into the Woods is a modern twist on the beloved Brothers Grimm fairy tales in a musical format that follows the classic tales of Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk, and Rapunzel, all tied together by an original story involving a baker and his wife, their wish to begin a family, and their interaction with the witch who has put a curse on them. So uh, let's discuss this film, Jr. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you've seen this film. Yes, I have. (laughs) I'm assuming you probably saw it before I did. I I just saw it this week. I actually also just saw it this week. Okay, well, there you go. Um, It's one of those films that I kept wanting to make time for, knowing I needed to see it, and it looked somewhat interesting, but uh, just like I said, the the busyness and the crazy amount of films, plus the vacationing and the Christmas stuff, it just didn't happen until this week. And I'm I'm certainly glad that I saw it. Um, But uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, it wasn't without its issues. Um, it's certainly not your average Disney-fied version of the fairy tales. Uh, that would be my True. first observation. Uh, I don't know. What, what were your general kind of thoughts about this film? Well, uh, I had seen a staging of this. Uh, my wife and I used to live in Dayton, Ohio, uh, okay. which is a big, big theater town. Mm. And uh, so a college where where we both uh, had a lot of, of good relationships, 
the the student showcase for the year was Into the Woods a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So we actually saw a staging of it there, and that was where I first became uh, familiar with it. Uh, so I was really interested in how they were going to do the film because a lot of – this is really popular with like high schools and stuff like that – and a lot of them will only do the first act of the film, which essentially ends after everyone's wishes come true. Um, which completely misses the point. Yeah, but it's a lot happier. Well, that's true. It certainly is. <laughs> I would have. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I was I was really I assumed that they were going to do the whole the whole story. But I wouldn't I was I wouldn't have been surprised if they hadn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I could just see I could see a, a, a writer or a director opting to to cut it and and leave it with this nice little bow on the end of it. Um, well, I mean, particularly so I, knowing that Disney was the you know the, the right thing right behind this. right right. Uh, so you know, overall, I thought it was good. I had heard wonderful things about Meryl Streep, and she did not disappoint. I thought the singing was great, unlike Les Mis, which had that glaring Russell Crowe problem. Um, it did, didn't it? Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, it did have that wonderful Anne Hathaway uh, well, no non-problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But over, overall, this felt like a much more balanced film. It didn't feel like there was, like, one clear, uh, you know, character who was stronger than all the others and, and no one dragging everyone else down. Um, you know, over uh, some of the choices they made, which you point out in your review, were a little strange, like having the CGI beanstalk but not really showing the giant yeah. kind of sort of, you know. Um it did, like, especially having seen the stage play, I I thought, okay, so clearly, you know, Rob Marshall's decision to do this was an homage to, you know, that that staging thing. Um, but overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Like, I didn't, it was way better than Les Mis. I hated Les Mis. I wished I had that two and a half hours of my life back. And see, that's interesting. I don't feel that way about Les Mis, despite Russell Crowe's really terrible singing. And, and unfortunately, it's unfortunate because Russell Crowe is a really good actor and it just wasn't the right role for him. Uh, and, and he right. Was, he was, Absolutely. You know, he, I think they, what they wanted Russell Crowe to bring failed because of his singing. But I, I didn't feel that way about Les Mis. I, I still am glad that I saw it and I'll probably see it again at some point just because the oh, story is so good. Uh, well, that, I would I would opt to see it on stage. Mm, yeah, because I've heard I've heard it's like mind blowing on stage. I just I didn't care for the filmic adaptation. Um, I felt like I, I felt like they didn't they didn't do a musical on screen nearly as well as Into the Woods did. Hmm. Well, I dream a dream that that <laughs> Russell Crowe would 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 be replaced by somebody else. And that you know that dude's a good singer too. That's the crazy part. Really? Like, yeah. What happened? I have no idea. Weird. I don't know if anyone has told him that it wasn't good and asked him. I would not say that to his face. No, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, I would Mr. Be just Crow, delighted you meet, were him, astounding. But... Please do not crush me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very interesting. Um, I still think uh, I've Dreamed a Dream uh, by Anne Hathaway it makes the movie completely worth it. Anyway, the, 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 um, the comparison can't be helped because for me, it certainly was the last uh, film that, that, that was a stage play that was adapted to film that I've seen. So the comparison to Into the Woods can't be helped. Yeah. But, but Into the Woods feels like a completely different beast. You're absolutely right. I, I wouldn't say that I like one better than the other personally, but I, I get okay. where you're coming from. Yeah, so I um, – well, some general observations first. It's As I mentioned, it's not your Disney-fied uh, fairy tale uh, you know, versions of, of the fairy tales, and it's certainly not a children's film. Um, and, and you might expect it to be, even from the trailers, from the idea that Disney's bringing this one to us, and, and just from the fact that it's based on fairy tales, you think, oh, well, it'd be a good one for your kids. Please probably really <laughs> think about this before you take your, 
Yeah, and I, you have to understand, I'm coming at this from having not no knowledge of the source material. People who who do would probably understand better uh, not to do that. But um, I'm glad that I didn't even. And usually, I don't take my children to see movies. It's just not something we usually do. It, it's like maybe two or three times a year. So this certainly wasn't that time, and I'm I'm glad because it <laughs> it was not something I would necessarily think my children were ready to handle it at yeah you know six, how old are your kids i have an eight-year-old maybe he would have been okay but so eight-year-old six-year-old a four-year-old and a two-year-old yeah i mean that's a little young this for, is not frozen no 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 it's not frozen not at all uh they love frozen um so 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 yeah the these are based more on the the original fairy tales from well if you call the brothers grimm versions the original ones that's what we think about <laughs> when, and we, they they're the, they've even adapted them from earlier versions sometimes depending on which one we're talking about but when we think of the fairy tales we think of the brothers grimm uh and so there these are those versions of the fairy tales mostly i mean you've got the whole uh mangling of the feet to get in the yeah. slippers from cinderella you the pecking of the eyes out i mean uh, butchering of the wolf butchering yeah, of the like, wolf all those things that you know as that you learn about the fairy tales that you didn't learn when you were a kid but you learn about those things when you were an adult yep. <laughs> at least i did and i'm like yep. these are not the what are you these are not the way these stories go <laughs> uh when you grow up with disney that kind of happens right um, right and then uh the the other general observations are uh Hey, look, Johnny Depp is playing Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, it's the most Johnny Depp role ever. And uh, boy, the other thing I noticed was, holy cow! I, when 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 Chris Pine was cast as Captain Kirk, I'm like, I don't don't see it. I don't see the resemblance to William Shatner. Boy, did I see it in this movie! What in the world? I was like, oh, hold, there's William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, am I right? Oh yeah, I mean, for you know, for me, the reason I like Pine as Kirk is he was able to play Kirk without parodying Shatner. Sure, sure. And for me that for me what that was was the swagger. Yes, yeah. You know? I, I agree. And, I, don't, I don't disagree, but I just didn't see a lot of Shatner in there and I saw a whole lot of Shatner in a film that had nothing to do with him at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the swagger he he swagged so good in this movie. Yes, like yes. it was crazy. And that I mean, I don't know if we're doing favorite scenes later. Oh, you but, can do. I mean, we're uh, we're basically in our likes right now. Agony, uh, the song that the two princes do, <laughs> and, the, and then he he rips his shirt, and the other right. one rips his shirt I mean, wider. Gosh, like I was dying. Like that was so well, and that's. I mean, again, that's what that whole song is about. Is like who is suffering the most right now because he's so has so many women trouble. Right? It's like the most like shallow, <laughs> self indulgent, like blind. Uh, I mean, and they just. Gosh, I was. I was in tears. That was so good. Yeah, I, I literally, and I, if it had been somebody else, I would have glared at them, you know, because I'm a little bit of a uh, uh, a nut about, you know, proper behavior in the theater, but I laughed out loud at these Yeah, scenes. you can't help it. I mean, they yeah. just killed it. <laughs> it was wonderful. It's It may be, uh, you know, as much as I think that you're right, Chris Pine nails Kirk in a way that you wouldn't expect, I, this may be my favorite Chris Pine performance ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was. It was. Really Which would good. you have ever guessed that? Right? No, I mean, not at all. When ooh. I when I saw that Chris Pine was in this movie, I'm like, eh, yeah, whatever. You know, sure, fine. That, that'll be fine. He, he'll be a side he, character. He's hot right now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 It's 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 just the thing to do is to hire Chris Pine. You know. <laughs> but yeah, he he really nailed it. Um, and I, I assume that was his singing, right? Yeah. I, as far as I know, all of them really good was singing. Yeah. He he did fine. Um. Well, I mean, all of them did fine. Obviously. Uh, you know, while we're talking about things that we liked about the film, I mean, I think the singing was 
mostly top notch. There was a couple, yeah. of, a couple from Cordon that I was like, uh, mm, okay, fine. Uh, obviously, Anna Kendrick knocked it out of the park. That's kind of what she does yeah. now. She's known for Pitch Perfect and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this there was that is where it does have the advantage over Les Mis in, in terms of you know theatrical uh, plays, um, you know, converted to cinema. Is that this film doesn't have any sour sour notes, if you will? <laughs> um, sorry, see, see what I did there. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it it, uh, it it doesn't have any of that to to kind of drag it down. On, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which which one you wanted to like more. Yeah. So, um, Emily Blunt uh, is always. I've never seen anything seen her in anything that I didn't like her in and and that was again the case here although when we get to our dislikes later i have some issues with her storyline yep uh but that's uh we'll get to that um uh lila crawford lila lila i'm assuming it's lila um rapunzel yeah no 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 no, no. uh, red riding hood yes okay yes i think that this little girl has a career ahead of her um I do feel like her performance here was a little overstated. I think she'll learn how to deal with that as she gets mm-hmm. older. Uh, and it worked well in this case. Um, Is it, she coming from a theater background? Do you know? I don't know. She doesn't have many credits uh, on in, in terms of movies. And I don't know where you would find the information. I know, Obviously, I know how to find movie information. I don't know how to find uh, <laughs> theater information so much. Um, yeah. But basically, she was in um, – Simply Red Backstage at Annie with Lila Crawford TV series, whatever that is, uh, and Into the Woods. And uh, she has one in post-production now, Little Miss Perfect. Um, and that's pretty much it in terms of uh, in terms of uh, cinema. That's, hmm. Those are her credits on IMDb. So I really don't know what her background is. It would make sense because theater tends to be a more overstated kind of – Right, and she, she felt like a theater performer to me. Yeah, um, I mean she was really good, Glee, very, very you know. confident. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, in, in terms of the overall picture here, I really like the stage play feel of this film. Anytime this film feels like a stage play, it's really good because that's what it is. It's a stage play and it felt really refreshing. You know, you you know, I didn't, wasn't going to this movie to see the big, you know, the CGI and the explosions and the stomping through the woods and (laughs) the crashing. Like I really love, like one of my, it's not my favorite scene just because it's a silly scene. But it, it it illustrates what I like about this film, and that's the the scene of the butchering of the wolf. It's not gruesome. It's not bloody. It's it's stage. It's theater, and they're cutting open cloth, and and it's just it's such a well done. You feel like you're watching a stage play, only on yeah. film, and that was wonderful. I thought it was anyway. Oh um, no, yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable. Yeah, and uh, in general, Jr., I am not a big fan of musicals, whether on screen or, you know, obviously the stage plays. Uh, I'm in general not a huge fan of them, but there are exceptions. Um, I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for Sound of Music, I'll admit it. Um, but even though I'm generally not a fan of them, I liked this one uh, in general, and the music was catchy, and the music didn't feel shallow. Like, a lot of music and a lot of musicals is so shallow and this, the music here, it didn't feel that way to me. I, I don't know. It, it, am I the only one that feels that way? Or, or oh no, it, I, I'm. You know, I. One of the things that struck me, even when I saw the stage play, was was how thoughtful the songs were. Mm-hmm. Um, how well they moved the plot. You know, a, a lot of a lot of times in a musical, it can be really hard. You you have you have all of the all of the action happening and all the character development happening 
in the dialogue between the songs. Then you just sort of get like a, a pretty song that doesn't really, you know, maybe has a neat dance or something in it. Right, right. right. Your and, typical and in, Hollywood musical, you know, from the, from in, the olden times. In this one, man, I felt like if you weren't paying attention to the songs, you were not going to really understand why the next scene was happening. Absolutely. I completely agree. And thematically, thematically too, right? Like that's where, that's where the meat of the film was developed was, was in what they're saying to each other as they're singing. Right. Well, and, and then just the, the way that the I wish song is sewn, you know, throughout kind of tying the thing together and, and, and moving right on, right on in, you know, I wish, you know, and then it moves right on into its next thing and, and the meat of the songs and, and what it's giving you, it's very well crafted. Uh, yeah. And that's I, I think maybe that's why I don't tend to like musicals is because it doesn't feel well crafted. Like you said, it, it tends to be at least when you're talking about Hollywood musicals from you know an era gone by. Um, usually it's uh, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Now let's sing about it. You know, right. and you're like, um, no, not working for me. Right. Um, so anyway, and like I said, the big exception to that for me is is Sound of Music. Um, and 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 I think that's why I liked Les Mis more than I expected. Um, you know, going back to Les Mis is because um, it does the same thing. Like, story is advanced through music, and that's what you see here. Right. So, um... What did you make, what did you make of the story over... I'm curious, you know, uh, I, I kind of imported my experience from the musical, so for me this was like a rewatch, but like, how? what, what did you make of what was going on in the film? Well, I, I feel like I understand what was suppo- what I was supposed to feel, but I feel like it fell apart a little bit in the, in the, in the third act. Um, okay. And, and I, I, I wish, <laughs> uh, I wish that they had done a better job of, of conveying the themes of the film as it is. I feel like I got it. Um, and I feel like what the, what the theme of this, the overarching theme of this film is, uh, and, and why I'm so confused by the idea of ending this film before we get there uh, or ending, you know, like you said, with, with only showing the first act uh, in, in certain high school stage plays and stuff when they're staging it. Um, I feel like you miss the theme that this this whole story is driving towards, which is, yeah, you wish, you wish, you wish, you never have enough in life. You you know you want the you want the shiny new toy, you want the shiny new smartphone, you you want the better computer, uh, whatever it is, it's applicable because that's the way we are as humans. We want the grass that's greener on the other side. And you know what? Uh, Cinderella got her prince, and he turned out to be a big fat jerk. <laughs> you know? Um, what did he say? I was raised to be charming, not yeah, sincere. Yeah, not sincere. Exactly. <laughs> it was. It was wonderful. So, on the whole, I I totally got that theme, and it totally resonated with me because this is the human condition in in our in our you know the way we are is we want the better thing, and when we I I I can't tell you how many times I've experienced this, and I and it still happens to me. Like right now, I know exactly what I want. That would make my podcasting setup better. Um, but you know what? When I get it, it won't be good enough because I've upgraded right. my podcasting equipment before. I mean, that's the simple illustration and it's inane and silly, but it's it it's everything in life is like that. Right. So I really like that about this film. Uh, so there was so, that um, one of the things I appreciate about this film is how many different meanings the story has. Like there are at least five or six different things going on. All the stuff about. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you made of like the really rapey wolf scene where she like strays from the path and loses her innocence. And she's like, <laughs> well, now I know what happens when I stray from the path, but I sort of wish I hadn't. What I and made like, from that scene is that they really toned it down for this movie. <laughs> right. I mean, it was like, whoa, um, you you know, you had all the parent child stuff with the witch and Rapunzel. I mean, you had, you had all that kind of stuff. But in the in the stage play and I was actually really 
bummed that they cut this part out. But in the stage play, the narrator is an actual character, like on the stage, mm. like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And in that scene where Jack's mother is killed, uh, the first thing they do. So keep in mind, right they're, they're the whole first act they're telling that the narrator is telling you the story and all of these characters are behaving according to their tropes, right? They're right, all right, doing right. what you expect them to do, yeah. what the narrator tells them to do. And then like very early in the second act, after it has been established that they all got what they wished for and it's not actually very good. So they all have to go back into the woods. Uh, the giant shows up and they sacrifice the narrator. They're like, here, take this guy. The giant kills the narrator. And from that point on, there's no more narration. Interesting. And so you get this whole, like, don't like, don't live according to the story that someone gave you, like figure your own story out, which is sort of this, like, breaking a part of the the script of the fairy tale right yeah um so that i mean when i saw that on the in the play i like i was just like oh my gosh like that's such a a cool way to do that and i you know and i mean we can like we can talk about that idea all we want and debate it back and forth but like what a neat way to to do that very postmodern sort of approach to story uh, and to, to human humanity and personhood. And they just like completely jettison that from the film. It's yeah. It's like, Oh, like, Oh yeah, that is unfortunate. I mean, you get a little bit of that narrative uh, with uh, the witch and Rapunzel, but certainly what you're talking about is far more powerful. And like really just structurally interest. I don't know. It just, yeah, it, when, when you actually have the, the, the structure of the entire musical itself being turned on its head, you know, yeah. with the death of the narrator. Like, it was just, like, a really interesting... Yeah, so anyway... That is a really strange decision to cut that, then. I, I uh, that That's very strange. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that the narration sort of died down and went away yep. after a while, and yep. that's obviously well, because have... the source material made it go away <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> like, there's no and more source have, material. You have the bit at the end where he's finally... Accept, the baker accepts he has to be a, a dad, right? And so he, he starts narrating to his son yes. and is using the exact wording... From the opening, right? So, I mean, you have this sort of, like, wraparound. Yes, yes. Um, and that, that was very good. Very well done. And, yeah. and I, uh, you know, as much as I'm going to diss uh, uh, James Corden's performance later, <laughs> um, I, uh, I did enjoy his story, his arc. Um, it, it, was, it was good. Um, I, I did appreciate that about, about – I wish I'd cared more for the character. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, uh, there, there are certainly a lot of themes here. And I just saw it um, – a couple days ago, so it's probably all still sort of uh, gestating. I, I, there, I may wish that I had waited a little bit to talk about this film. Um, it, it's always a, it's always a, a question, right? Of, of, of how long do you let it gestate? You know, yeah. Because oh, yeah. eventually, eventually, it kind of dies away, and you stop thinking about it, and then you're like, oh, I got to talk about this. Oh, I got to remember how I feel about yeah, this. Well, how did that go? What yeah, yeah, yeah. Go? So, so it's, it's, it's like where, where I, I can never quite find that right time to talk about it, but I'm sure there's at this, with this film, there are more themes that are going to bubble to the surface after I, after it sits for a while. But as yeah. it is like, there, there were a lot of themes there to think about. Um, unfortunately, I, I think we can kind of start, um, uh, moving into the things that we didn't like about this film. Sure, yeah. Unfortunately, I think that uh, some of this film's themes were muddied, and and from what it sounds like, they're muddied very much by the fact that they've kind of jettisoned some things that they shouldn't have. Um, I hadn't heard the one that you mentioned with the narrator, but there were a couple other things that that were that I've heard about the the theatrical stage play 
that were jettisoned for the film, and you're like, wow, what that? Mm, maybe not such a good choice to do that. At the same time, you can appreciate the conundrum, right? Because if they were to take the stage play, which is very long, and adapt it to film, that would make the film very long. Yeah. Um. So you you kind of feel for them, like, what do you what do you sacrifice on the altar of keeping your audience's attention? Um, so I, I really felt that battle going on, uh, even though I didn't at the time know it, since I'm reading more about the play, you're like, oh, that's why that felt weird is because they cut something that shouldn't have been cut. You know? <laughs> so, uh, well, I don't know. They did, they did make several, like, uh, the whole Rapunzel storyline was given a happy ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that, again, that's one of the things I read about this, like, well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really jive well with the story that, the, the, with the, what the story is trying to tell us about these princes. Right. right. So, and, and the witch and the consequences of this like helicopter parenting. Right. I mean, like, yes, <laughs> all, all I of like it, that helicopter parenting. Um, yeah, all of it is sort of wrapped up in that where Rapunzel straight up goes crazy and then gets squished by a giant. And the prince is blinded. Like, it's the end of that story. Like, it's super dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's meant, I mean, it's meant to be, right? It's meant to be like, oh, no, like, you don't, like, the, not everyone gets a happy ending. You can't be crazy and basically abuse your child your whole life and then expect that they can just sort of magically be okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, That, that uh, in retrospect, I didn't feel it in the film as much, although I'm sure because you're familiar with the stage play, you did. You're like, what is going on here? But but you, you're right. In in retrospect, as I thought about it, I'm like, what? Wait, Rapunzel just sort of fell off the map. Uh, like, well, yeah, she her, had the story. her tears yeah. inexplicably heal his eyes, and then they just like run off together. You're yeah. like, okay, I that, guess that, that didn't work so well. So that's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what else have you got? As far as we talking about dislikes or yeah. just in general? Yeah, yeah, dislikes. Uh, I well, let's go ahead and talk about the Baker's wife because I think that's a hu- another huge one. Yeah, so so my issue with with that storyline, and I felt this, and I didn't know what it was supposed to be. I, I purposely avoided knowing anything yeah. about the play until I yep. went to see it, and I felt this even not knowing that. I'm like, what is the? Her story just sort of ends abruptly. Like we don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, did she feel? I mean, she sang a song like asking if she should feel remorse, and then she's gone. Uh, we're we're spoiled, completely spoiled. Spoiler alert: she gets killed, <laughs> um, and her 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 death is abrupt. She falls off a cliff that sort of is comes out of nowhere. Yeah, we, like where did that cliff come from? And yeah. it, you're left hanging. Like, did she feel remorse or not? We don't know. What was the end of her story? Well, it doesn't really matter now because she's dead. Like, right. I, I get that in the stage play, she was supposed to die, but I feel like there was more meaning in that than there was in this film. Am I wrong? No, and I think what what bothers me, and I think it bothers me about the stage play, it bothers me about the screen adaptation of it, is, like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty clear, like, I don't know if you want to call it a fairy tale trope, but, like, she did something wrong in that she has an affair with this prince, which yes. in the... It's one of the things that in the script and in the film, it's it's sort of vague about how much exactly happens. Uh, but there, in 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 the staging of it, you have the liberty to go ahead and imply that yeah, they they did more than just kiss. Sure. Um, but either way, like it's presented as she transgresses. Yeah. Yeah. And then she immediately dies for it, even though in the play she's more clearly repentant. I think you see that in the film, like. Uh, ish like you know ish yeah ish but, but the prince the prince is never punished for his exact same transgression 
Yeah, he just sort of rides off into the sunset. Yeah, he, he's fine. Like he's he's miserable because he can't he he can't ever be satisfied. No woman woman will ever satisfy him, right? He he's yeah. all about the chase, not the uh not the 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 catch. Right. Uh, he caught Cinderella and that was no good anymore. So he's he's yeah. after the baker's wife, you know. Uh, um, yeah. Well, and actually in in the stage play the two print both princes become dissatisfied mm-hmm. and they they have a they have a, a an agony reprise in act two <laughs> nice where they talk about like well why aren't we happy now like now we have what we were agonizing about and we're still in agony and so they actually end up discovering sleeping beauty and snow white and having affairs with these two sleeping princesses Wonderful. so again it gets, it gets really rapey again there because both of these guys like they are basically like women are objects and there are things to be pursued and caught and kept, not be in a relationship with. And uh, and you see that with the baker's wife as well. And, and it's, it's, it's just surprising to me in a film that's so thoughtful about so many other things mm-hmm. that that's sort of just left uncommented on. Yeah. Like there's no there's no punishment. There's no comeuppance. There's no consequence at all other than that, like, they're just not ever going to be satisfied Oh, that's pretty bad. Almost as bad as getting squished by a giant, I guess. You know, I mean, like, I, I, on, on the one hand, I, I, you know, I am frustrated by this. On the other hand, I, I do appreciate the idea that, um, you know, what there is more to life than these fairy tales let on. I mean, uh, it sounds like you're married, and, and I'm married, and we've been married yes. for years, and so there is way more to life than hey, we got the girl, and and that's all fairy right. tales usually right. leave you with. And right. so I appreciate that that what they're saying is, you know what? This is not the way real life is. These guys, all they were about was the chase, and, and you know they they got their, their their true love, but now they're moving on. Like like yeah. you know, I I appreciate the the idea of that. I just feel like it's poorly dealt with, at least in this film. And I yeah. I believe the stage play, from what I understand, again I haven't seen it, but I understand it handles it better. Well, Rapunzel and the baker's wife both get squished by the giant, and both of the princes just sort of, like, are fine. I mean, they're in agony, I guess, but it's not the <laughs> agony. agony of being squished by a giant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, well, the comeuppances are pretty dissimilar, and if you had to choose between being perpetually dissatisfied by booty call after booty call <laughs> or being squished by a giant probably not going to choose getting squished by a giant you know like they're, yeah they're they're not comparable but at the same uh, time it, it's frustrating in that we want better from our stories like when we see right, a story right. we want we want uh we want the just comeuppance like that's that's what we want at the same time that's never the way life works it not this life i mean as christians you and i believe True. that that will ultimately be the case but in this life we never you know people don't get what's coming to them necessarily um and so i i understand both sides of that story but i still wanted it to to be different <laughs> right yeah. and, and maybe that's where I'm, I'm i'm still wrestling with this like like how do i really feel about this and i, I don't know at, at, on the one hand it feels realistic like these guys they're they're not going to get their just comeuppance right now that's just the way it is but the, you know the girls unfortunately did mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah, and, and of course, it's like I had to sort of you have to sort of accept all of these things happening in very quick succession, or or the film, much like a fairy tale, right? They meet, they fall in love, they get married. Like that all usually happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. So in this film, the baker's wife dies, everyone's sad. They beat the giant. They all form this like new family, and you're like, whoa, 
<laughs> what? <laughs> like the Baker and Cinderella are now going to raise these three kids, like Jack and Red Riding Hood and, and the baby. Right. Like what? Huh? What? <laughs> like that was that was abrupt. <laughs> but like that's 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 sort of like fairy tale emotions, right? I mean, that's how everything yeah. happens in fairy tales. Yeah, but I, I think maybe the reason that's frustrating for me is because this tur- this was supposed to be turning fairy tales on their head, and in the end, it just sort of had that fairy tale ending. Like, well, they got together, they made a new family, and they and, and it did feel very abrupt. And yeah. I think that what I'm feeling, partly what I'm feeling too. Again, I'm still unpacking this, so I'm, I'm this conversation is helping me. Um, I think part of what I'm feeling is that Acts 1 and 2 felt, you know, stretched out and good and long, and maybe even Act yeah. 2 was too long, and then Act 3 felt squished, like they compressed it into something it didn't need, it needed more time to unfold. Would you would you mark Act 3 as basically the, the actual battle with the giant? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because uh, as I've been thinking uh, several times today, uh, as I've had time, about the, the act structure of this film, I'm like, where, let's see, where are the act points here? You obviously have end of the woods, and the end of the, of Act One is when everybody gets their wish. Well, that's a really long act, and then Act Two, uh, you know, that's that doesn't that goes all the way until the 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 fight with the giant, and then Act Three, that's fifteen minutes. Like, what? This is weird. <laughs> so when it's again when it's staged, it's just staged in two acts, and Act One ends with everyone getting their wish. Act Two then is basically the giant, mm. and the giant the giant embodies the fact that. Once you get your wish, everything is not okay. And so them them overcoming the giant is their symbolic making peace with where they are, who they are, what they want, blah, blah, blah. Interesting. Over- Maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm trying to fit it into your standard three-act screenplay, and it, it really should be thought of as two yeah. acts. And it really, yeah, I think that's where, I think, and that your comments earlier about how it, how it feels so much like a play, I think that's why. Mm-hmm. I think because it doesn't have the three-act structure we expect in a film. Um, and when you try to do that, you end up where you were, where you're like, gosh, this giant thing just feels like really compressed. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, even so, it still feels compressed, though. Like, like I agree. I, oh, don't, don't disagree. The whole um, end of the again, film, you know, just feels like like they just sort of started throwing things out there and mm-hmm. slopping it around. It's like, let's throw it in the bucket, stir it up and then pour it out into a, into the last part of the film. <laughs> and I think I think that's where you saw a lot of the compression happening as well. You know, in the stage play, that part is a little, I mean, a little bit more flat. It just has more room to breathe. Mm-hmm, right. You know, there's, you, you have, you have way more stuff with Rapunzel and the princes in the second act that lets all that stuff kind of breathe a little bit more. And that was all almost entirely excised, you know? Yeah. The prince, the prince is basically there to kill the baker's wife and let Cinderella know that what she really wants. Right. I mean, that's, that's his sole function in the second act and Rapunzel and her prince basically are just there because they have to leave like that they're they don't do anything except leave right yeah 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 well i think this leads nicely into one of my other complaints uh with this film which is that um we've been talking about how much it feels like a stage play and it does for much of the film it feels like a stage play and that is to the film's credit It, it does the film well but then you get into the end of this film, and it feels like they said, we we still have, uh, I don't know, about this much budget left, and that's going to make a great CGI giant that, that's not going to look, <laughs> you know. And, and, and this is the thing, like, there's two complaints to me about this. One is the end of this film, um, most of the end of this film feels unlike the rest of the film. It feels completely discordant with the rest of the film. And then the second thing is, yeah, they had enough budget for this big CGI extravaganza, but they didn't have enough budget to do it really well. And so, so mm. like, the giant doesn't feel very real. Um, w- when that stone hits her head, it feels really fake. 
Um, and I, I just, I mean, I wish they would have stuck more with the stage play roots at the, like, like it worked yeah. so well for the first, you know, hour and a half of the film. Why did we, or, or, or two hours or whatever it was, why did we now switch gears into it? It felt like I was watching a different film that, so, so that, that fits really well with what we've been talking about. Just a little different yeah. angle on that, that point. Well, and obviously, right, in the stage play, there are no giants. Like, it's all <laughs> right. shaking scenery and the actors pointing off stage. Uh, but it works. And I, I thought that that was how they were going to go. And they even do go there for most of it, right? I mean, there's plenty of scenes of just heavy footfalls. Yeah, well, and you barely, you know, hardly ever yep. see the giant. And you yep. do see stuff crashing around and no footfalls. Yep. And, and you, you do yep. think that's where they're going. And that's that's really good. We don't. This is not about the effects. And this is not about the CGI. And then it's like, but now we're in a different film. What's going on? Yep, yep. So. Yeah. Commit. Commit into the woods. Commit. Yes, yes. A lack of commitment. That's what's going on here. <laughs> so, so the really uh, the only other big stinker for me in this film that I that I want to make sure that I talk about, um, just because I I have opinions and opinions need to be let out. Um, I wasn't feeling it with James Corden. I I, I just he, it felt like he didn't have his heart and soul in it, and or or something. I, I I can't quite put my finger on it, but his performance seemed very disconnected and unconcerned almost like he was just reading the lines i i i don't know i haven't heard anybody else complaining about this so this may just be me but i wasn't feeling it i thought even in the trailer i was like huh gosh like they're like everything else except that guy yeah like, so so I'm, and not, I'm not i'm not the I'm only not one super i'm not super familiar with his body of work so it was i was like oh james Corden. oh gosh so excited. Yeah, me Like either. I was with Russell Crowe in Les Mis. I was like, oh, Russell Crowe, like he's he's perfect for Javert. Um, and then he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but here, like with, with yeah, with the baker, I was like, uh, yeah, I just don't, I didn't really ever buy anything that he was trying to sell me. You know? That's a really good way to put it. Um, I, I completely bought into, uh, you know, Jack's role, Jack and the Beanstalk. I bought into his role. He was a great Jack. Um, Emily Blunt, of course, amazing as as always. Um, Chris Pine threw everything he had into that role, uh, even though it wasn't a very big role. He threw his entire oh, being so into that role. Good. Um, and then you you know, uh, Anna, Anna Kendrick, uh, really really good. Yep. Um, as I well, I'll go ahead and mention it. I felt like her performance was a tad saccharine, which is I'm sure just because Cinderella. That's just the way it is. Yep. But um, but overall, like, like nobody, nobody had this, like, like he, he's the weight on this film. Like he, he's the anchor holding this film down from being more than it is, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd agree with that. Well, and, and, and in, a, in a lot of ways, as you pointed out already, his journey is sort of the heart of the film. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the primary um, journey. And so you need, I mean, I, I remember it was actually after I finished watching the film, I remembered one of the only scenes I really remember from the stage play, like vividly was the scene in act, the beginning of act two where he refuses to hold his son. Mm. And, and it's, it's actually a full song that he and his wife do. And it's, it's a big deal. And, and in the film, like he was holding his son half of act two. Yeah. And yeah. Complaining about how he didn't want to, but he was doing it. And that's like in the stage in the staging I saw, um, he, he, uh, doesn't, um, like he never holds his kid until the very, very end. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, and that's a big point. That's a big, like, it's like, again, it's like symbolically he's embracing his role as a father. 
and and so the fact that that was like so it was such like a bit moment it was like yeah i kind of don't want to because i'm gonna be my dad and she's like just don't be your dad and he's like yeah and then his dad's like don't be me and he's like yeah you know i mean it was like okay whatever it was so um it, it was it felt like such an afterthought to everything else that was going on and and in, in the staging of it i saw maybe that's just a testament to the actors that put on the staging but it like they, they were it was you felt it like you you bought it and you were like gosh guy like you got to get this figured out like there's life and death at stake you know and and it, and it felt that way and in the film it just didn't at all mm, yeah yeah i i uh, yeah it's it was disappointing I, I wanted more from the guy and and he didn't didn't really deliver um it's it's one of those things where you got to wonder when when something like this happens. Like with Russell Crowe, did they get into the film and wish they had hired somebody different, but now they're contractually obligated, or or what? Right, I mean, right. You know, can, could they not have gone? Ah, this isn't working. I mean, you, you hear of it sometimes happening. Um, you you know, for instance, can you imagine anybody else playing Marty McFly except for what's it, what's his name? Uh, right. Uh, why am Michael I Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox, thank you. My brain's blank sometimes like that. So, so can you imagine anybody else playing that? And, and yet, he he was recast. Like he was originally going to be played by uh, uh, whatever his name was. I, I've forgotten that name too. And it, that one, I'm not surprised I've forgotten because I've never heard of him before, except that I know his right. involvement with. And it, and they had like filmed half the film and they decided he wasn't working and they had to bring in Michael J. Fox. Wow, so. I had not heard that. That's crazy. So you know what happens, but but like it's very rare. And so you, you got to wonder, is it like, is it because it would be too expensive to fix it or did they not know it until the film, you know, and maybe they still think James Corden did a great job. I, I don't know. It's really yeah. strange, but it's so apparent. It's it's like, how can you miss this? Yeah. So um, ha- having, you know, having worked at a at an indie film company, I, I understand getting too close to material. Maybe that's all it is, is they didn't really realize it and maybe still don't. And they're upset with any of us who think that he didn't do a good job. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you know? Yeah. You're not a filmmaker. Well, hmm, actually. <laughs> so, what, but you did remind me of something I almost forgot about. Uh, it's it's not a big deal, but the appearance of the baker's father, um, very sudden and unprecedented. And then I find out after that, because I was thinking when I come away with the film, I'm going, where did that come from? And then I find <laughs> out that he was supposed to have been in much more of the film. He was supposed to have appeared yep. several times. Yep. So very, very strange why they decided to, to do that. So. Again, yeah, it's just one of those weird, and it, yeah, because he has to be there for this like critical moment yes. to resolve the the baker's journey, right? Yeah. Um. So why don't you why don't you have him in the film? It adds a it adds a layer of creepy mystery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the just they just don't. Yeah, <laughs> they okay. don't be, because of reasons. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who am I to question? Right, okay. yeah. Very good reasons, on account of all the reasons. <laughs> so, yeah, we have them. Yes, they have them, I'm sure. <laughs> well, well we're, it's, it is time, I think, for us to, uh, to stop um, uh, whipping on this film and, and kind of move into our, our final analysis and, and whether we would recommend it and our star ratings, uh, although it looks like you like the uh, alphabet scale. I, we, we do the number scale here, usually. Hey, uh, when in Rome, I'll do numbers. <laughs> so... Um, so I, I'm going to give this film a three and a half out of five stars just because I, I wanted it to be better, just because I wanted James Corden to do a better job. Um, you know, and, and all the things that we talked about, unfortunately, are a little bit drag this film a little bit down. However, that being said, three and a half stars is not a don't go see this rating. That would be anything below two and a half. Three and a half is a yeah, you, 
you know, if you got nothing better to do or if you're wanting to go see a movie and there's not a lot else playing in January, this is, this is a pretty good way to spend your time. You're going to enjoy it. Don't take your kids uh, without seeing it first. You, you may want to pre-screen that. Uh, three and a half out of five stars uh, is kind of where I'm landing on this. And yeah, I I feel like I'm, I'm you know, I've been wrestling with this uh, since I've seen the film, but I'm feeling pretty good about three and a half. So uh, nice. what, what, what is your, uh, what is your final analysis here, JR? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say I started out at a three and a half, but I'm, uh, this conversation I've slid down to a B. Uh-oh. I think some of the, or a three, sorry, not a B, um, jump back to my letter scale. It's <laughs> fine. It's a fine movie. Um, it has some, it has some significant issues. If you've seen the stage play, um, it will probably have some big, big significant issues for you. If you haven't, you'll probably like it. It's fine. It's a fun, if you, if you like, uh, go for Chris, like Pine. Re- re- oh gosh. Right. <laughs> um, but if you like reimaginings of fairy tales, if you like once upon a time, or if you like, um, the, do you remember that, uh, um, book that, that came out when we were probably pretty young, it was like uh, the the big the big bad wolf's version of the three little pig story. Mm, I don't think I remember um, that. All that kind of stuff. Any of that kind of stuff. You just like like or wicked, right? Wicked the uh, the 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 witch's perspective on the Wizard of Oz. Any mm, of that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you like those kind of like just like like messing with traditional fairy tales, uh, this does that very well. Um, it it brings all of these characters together and mixes them around in fun ways. And I don't think it'd be sad you saw it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that's uh, that's a good good. Uh Good analysis, I, I would say. Um, I, I think that maybe the lowering of your star rating or your, your grade, whatever you want to, whichever one you want to go with, uh, is probably, as you said, related to the fact that you're you're familiar with the stage play, where or I'm not, and so I tend yeah. not to judge it by that standard as much. So. Yeah, and I only judge it. I, I do like to let things stand on their own, mm-hmm. but the stage, like specifically with the stage play, like there were just some things that were done so beautifully in that that were missing from this, and I think. Hurt the like like things that you were just like yeah why did that happen or that didn't make sense or where did like well there was a reason and it did all make sense <laughs> right and yeah then, and then they, and then they took those things out so like for me those were like these big gl- I was like gosh that do- I don't understand how that decision got made you know what I mean so that's why I would, the more I thought about it I was like yeah 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 you know yeah it, we're talking about an adaptation it did have some some big problems. Yeah, it, but it's, not it's sort of, not bad not bad enough to make you not go see the movie. Fun movie, good movie, worth your time. Yeah, it, it's sort of like um, kind of how I feel about the ending of the Harry Potter movies versus the book, and and you come away from that and you go, man, David Yates did not get what the end of the book was about at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of the same way with a stage play. It's like, eh, from what I'm hearing, he didn't they they missed what this play was about a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> so a um, little bit. I mean, they landed a lot. The, that that play is about so much stuff, right? You can yeah. leave out one of the themes and you're okay. Yeah, I would say um, they stuck the landing better than David Yates did with uh, the last Harry Potter movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that those stories at all. But oh, the, yeah. The books yeah. are so much better, so masterful in the way that story was brought to a conclusion. And then the movie was and, – and, and even with movie seven – you know, where they split the last one into two parts, so there's eight movies, and with the seventh movie, you're like, oh, man, they're getting this. It's working. It's going to work. And then you get to the eighth movie, and you're like, what Never happened? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> anyway, to sidetrack. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that's uh, IMDb. The users rate the, uh, the film at 6.6 out of 10. I feel like that's about right. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, interestingly, interestingly, I expected this to be opposite. Uh, the critics are at 71% on the film. Uh, that would uh, – I always have a hard time converting this. So uh, I guess that's about – is that's that about three and a half? Yeah, that's a little lower. Yeah, yeah. It's a solid C. Okay. 
So uh, 71%. The audience, however, is at 55% uh, approval rating. So just, you know, just slightly better than a, a 2.5, if you will, if you want to put it on a star scale. Um, so, yeah, I, that was, that's almost exactly flip-flop from what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. I would have expected the critics to be down around 50% on a film like this. So and it's interesting how that works sometimes. So Absolutely. So that is the uh, that is our review of uh, of Into the Woods. Uh, I know Joe was disappointed that he could not uh, be here, especially having invited you on, Jr. But I'm sure, <laughs> uh, having had this conversation with you, I'm sure you will be back. I I, I would love would to be get happy you back. to anytime. We love talking about movies. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, that's that's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> next week, Joe and I are debating what we're going to see still, uh, but he has narrowed it down. I'm not sure I agree with this narrowing, but he has narrowed it down to either Taken 3 or Mordecai. Um, I'm not sure I want to see either of those. <laughs> I might rather see Paddington, which I've heard is uh, – thank you <laughs> – which I've heard is better than you would expect. Um, I don't know. But it's it, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's just it's January. And uh, yeah. Are I, you guys not going to go see Black Hats? Oh, Black Hat. I, I forgot about that. In fact, I didn't see it on my when I looked on Fandango earlier. I didn't see it. Maybe I just missed it. Uh, remind me what that's about. Uh, that's the that's uh, Chris Hemsworth and the hacker movie. Hacker movie. That's probably why it skipped my radars. I'm a, I'm a web developer uh, right now. By is what oh I no, okay. I, I'm so, a developer yeah. of software, and so movies about that sort of thing. Usually, I'm just like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I understand uh, that. No, it is on the list. I just somehow missed it, or I would have put it on here. I'll uh, I'll put it on for consideration. Black at, but I suspect that Joe is going to win with either Taken or Mordecai. Um, Man, can we? Taken is going to be so bad. You yeah, that, right? I agree. Okay. Well, the first one was decent, and the second the one was... The first one was fun. The yeah. The second one was an abomination. It was bad. It was. I wouldn't call it an abomination, but it was bad. I expect this uh, one to be the abomination of desolations. Okay, so you know how in the Bible... Um, <laughs> Speaking of... In the in the in Kings and Chronicles, they're like this king was really good. He was almost as good as David, right? Or they're like this king was really bad, but not quite as bad as King Ahab. Uh huh. Like, right. That was like the parallel. So so for me, Taken Two was really bad. It wasn't quite as bad as Transformers Two. Okay, that's that's my scale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tra- I mean, you could say that about any of the Transformers films, as far as I'm concerned. That that is the low of the low. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Although a lot of people like the first Transformers, I hated it. I I tolerated it because I got to hear Optimus Prime say Autopods transform and roll out. And I was like, okay, I'm happy. <laughs> the five-year-old in me is happy. Um, but two, I, two was, I was, I was offended v- like viscerally at how bad that film was. <laughs> well, Michael Bay has made only one really good film and that was the Island. And that was a fluke. I think. Did you see pain and gain? Uh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. The idea of it. Oh, no, it's awesome. Okay, all right. I've and Bad Boys? That. What is it? Bad Boys? I haven't seen it. Bad Boys is awesome, too! Yeah, okay. Pain and Gain is is actually, like, really a fascinating film. And I, I could not believe Michael Bay made it. There is a really um, there is a really interesting analysis. We were supposed to be wrapping the show up. What happened? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. That's what we do sometimes. Uh, there is a really interesting analysis about Michael Bay's filmmaking. Uh, if I can find it. Uh, Michael Bay, um, it's somewhere on Movie Bites. Uh, I wish I could find it. I can't right now. I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, um, I'd love to see it. 
there's a really interesting analysis about his filmmaking and how he loves these, you know, these sort of these big, huge, sweeping shots. Oh, what? Here it is. What is Bayhem? Must watch video essay. Um, <laughs> All right. So I, I think you'll enjoy this. It's a really deep analysis of what makes Michael Bay films so, you know, bad, really. Um, there, I just put it in the show outline. I will put that also in the show notes. It's been in the show notes of one of the episodes before. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes again for this episode as well. Um, I really enjoyed this really critical analysis of what's going on with Michael Bay's films that I, I love it. Yeah. I really kind of very much agree with. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, so let, let's go ahead and try to wrap this up again. (laughs) Great. Mr. Forrest Eros. Thank you so much for being on the show. Having, having spent some time with you, our listeners will now want to check out your other work. Where can they do that at? Uh, the best place to go is NorvalRogers.com. That's the blog I do with my podcast co-hosts. Uh, if you want to know how to spell Norval Rogers, just Google Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. That's his <laughs> real name. And that'll be the easiest way for you to find uh, the blog. So that's uh, I blog there with the Storyman, which is Clay Morgan and Matt Michelotis. And we do, we do a podcast called The Storyman. Um, I have a podcast called Origami Elephants, which is all about uh, philosophy and religion. But we do it through the lens of, of current events and pop culture. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter and Facebook at JR Foresteros. So um, all those links will be in the show notes so you guys can check it out. I, I love connecting with people, talking about movies, talking about religion, talking about movies and religion, talking about whatever. Who cares? I just I love pop culture. So yeah. if you listen to the if, if you listen to this show, it sounds like I'm pretty much guaranteed we'd be friends. So um, <laughs> very good. All right, uh, so that's where you can find out more about uh, J.R. Foresteros. I will uh, try to compile all those links that you mentioned, J.R., and get them in the show notes, uh, so check those out. If you want to keep up with me, you can find me on Twitter at TJDraperPro, and if you uh, want to keep up with any of the writing that I do, that'll be at MovieByte.com, M-O-V-I-E-B-Y-T-E.com. If you got this episode via uh, podcast and you've forgotten how to find the show notes, you're for, you have a podcast client that doesn't pull in show notes, well, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 123 because this is the 123rd episode of this show. So that is where you'll find the uh, show notes. And that link doubles as a way for you to share with your friends. So please do that. Uh, we would Sharing is caring, you guys. Sharing is caring, absolutely. Uh, so, so be sure and do that and... Uh, yeah, if you, if you enjoyed uh, Mr. Forrest Arrows as much as I did, uh, please check out his work as well. I'm going, I know I'm going to be listening to more Storymen. I really enjoyed that discussion, so I'm uh, all seriousness. I am going to uh, find some more episodes, and I probably won't be able to listen to the entire back catalog, but I'm, I'm probably going <laughs> to listen to the shows going forward. So with that, it is time for us to uh, take our bow and exit stage left. So thank you very much for being here, JR. Uh, thank you, TJ. It was a blast. I can't wait to come back. Thank you.